Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I'm about to launch a brand new course called Kabbalah of Soulmates. I'll be doing it together with Netflix famous Aliza Ben Shalom. We're going to be doing six lessons. What is love? Is love enough? Does true love exist? Talking about Kabbalah, talking about soulmates, my two favorite topics. It's going to be five self-guided lessons, a beautiful workbook, and then three Zoom discussions so that together we can really uh, work through a lot of the ideas that we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm excited because it's starting very soon, and I would love for you to sign up. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I'll see you there. Some people see a challenge as the end of their dreams, or at least despise it as an unnecessary impediment. Others see a challenge as the beginning of a good story. Hi, I'm Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and welcome to my Daily Torah Thought. I read a great story by Simcha Jakobovich. He calls it Kaddish with Oprah. The phone rang in my New York hotel room. It was 1995. I was saying Kaddish for my late father of blessed memory, Joseph Jakobovich. I live in Toronto. But I'm a filmmaker, so I move around. During my 11 months of saying Kaddish, I ended up in various minions, from San Francisco to Halifax. Once, I extended a stopover in Detroit and rushed to the basement of an old synagogue where I was greeted by nine congregants as if I was the Messiah himself. But the phone call in New York was the start of what turned out to be perhaps the most interesting Kaddish experience of them all. I just finished a documentary called The Selling of Innocence. The film won an Emmy, attracting the attention of Oprah Winfrey, the American icon and celebrated TV host. The producer, at the other end of the telephone line, asked if I could fly to Chicago and appear with my fellow producers on The Oprah Show the day after next. I was taken aback. This was The Oprah Show, the big time, great publicity for the film and a great promotional opportunity for me and my company. I'd love to do it, I said, but I don't think I can. Why not? The producer asked, her voice betraying her surprise. Nobody says, too busy to the Oprah show. I have a problem, I answered. The producer's voice, Lisa was her name, became steely, all business. What's the problem? She asked. It's complicated. Try me, she said. I began the process of explaining to a non-Jewish television producer from Chicago the Jewish ritual of Kaddish. Whenever I had to explain this, people never quite got it. I would tell them that I need a minion, and they would drive me to an empty synagogue. It never quite worked out, but this was Oprah, so I gave it a try. I'm Jewish, my father passed away, and in our religion it's incumbent upon me three times a day to say a certain prayer, a glorification of God's name, really, it's called Mourner's Kaddish. To do this, I need to be in a Jewish quorum. It's called a minion. So I can't miss this ritual. If I come to Chicago, I'd have to attend morning services prior to being on Oprah. No problem, she said. You need a minion to say Kaddish? Ten Jewish men for morning services? I'll arrange it. <laughs> it's not so simple, I said. You may find the synagogue, but it might not have a minion in the morning, or the Jewish community may send you to a synagogue that's open, which wouldn't do the trick for me. Lisa tried to be patient. I'll fax your flight information to your hotel. 
You'll be met in Chicago by a limo. The driver will have the minion information. You will say Kaddish for your father. The rest unfolded like a military operation. The next day, the ticket came. I arrived in Chicago. Then the limo came. The driver took me to the hotel and said, I'll be here at 6.30 a.m. Your minion begins at 7 a.m. I'll pick you up at 8 a.m. You'll be at the Oprah show at 8.30 a.m. The hotel room was beautiful. I slept like a baby. At 6.30 in the morning, I came down and stepped into my limo. There was a newspaper on the seat. I could get used to this, I thought. The driver pulled up in front of a downtown office building and told me that there was a Chabad Lubavitch minion on one of the upper floors. When I got there, the rabbi looked at me and said, So you're the guy saying Kaddish. I was warned by the Oprah show that I'd better have a minion. We smiled at each other. I was really impressed with Lisa and Oprah, and I felt that my father was surely amused. After prayers, my driver took me to the Oprah show. I was met by Lisa, a black woman in her 30s. She got straight to the point. So, you had a minion? Yes, thank you, I said. Was it proper? Did you say Kaddish? Absolutely, couldn't be better, I answered. She looked at me with that look that star surgeons have when they come out of the operating room. Or maybe it's the look that battle commanders have when they come back from a military operation. It's a look that says, nothing is too complicated. I was on Oprah. She was very professional. I had my five minutes of fame. But all I can remember of that day is the Kaddish. And that's Simcha's story. But here's my question. How many Kaddishes did he say that year? Depending on his custom, anywhere from a 1,000 to over 5,000. How many of them did he write about? How many of them make a good story? Only one. The one he thought couldn't happen. The one that was the hardest to pull off. Every story needs a challenge. To grow, to succeed, to write your own story, you must go out of your comfort zone. And this is the exact story of this week's Torah portion. Vayetze. It means, and he went out. Jacob had to flee his home, his land, and run to live with an uncle who was a crook. On the surface, you could say he had to run because his brother wanted to kill him. Or maybe we can say that he had to run in order to grow, to be part of a great story. The Torah gives us both options. It tells us he went because his brother wanted to kill him, but it also tells us he went to get married, to start a family. We could look at any of our own challenges with either of those two lenses. We can opt to view ourselves as victims of circumstance, running away from our dreams because others are ruining them for us, or we can see ourselves as master storytellers, running toward our goals on the tail of the challenge. I'm sure Jacob would have loved to stay within the Jewish walls of his parents' home, within the holy energy of the Holy Land, but he had to leave. Did he give up? Was this the end of his Judaism? The end of Jewish continuity? Absolutely not. While not in Israel, while outside of the shtetl, outside his elements, he didn't become less Jewish. To the contrary, he built the first eternal Jewish family. His father Isaac and grandfather Abraham each had a Jewish child, but not the whole family. Jacob had a whole family, a large one, 13 children. 
and his family's Jewishness wasn't a fleeting fad. 4,000 years later, I can show you members of his family. There are millions of us. We're known as the children of Israel. B'nai Yisrael, Am Yisrael. Israel is Jacob's second name. We are all his great-grandchildren. Being a Jew in today's world is difficult. It's challenging to keep kosher, to celebrate Shabbat. It's challenging to find time to put on tefillin, to do a mitzvah. But what kind of story would it be without a challenge? I think the challenges of living Jewish don't have to end your dreams. On the contrary, they could be the beginning of a great story. I can't wait to hear your living Jewish story. Share them with me. I like to share them with others. For now, I'm Rabbi Yisro Bernath. Shabbat Shalom.